0: A dream is just like a movie in your head and just like a movie there's a director and the director can change the dream and so you are the director and so I I go through how they can actually change dreams. So I've always taught kids how to, you know, we draw a picture of what their new dream and if you change it to something funny, um, your brain doesn't go in the loop of just following that same scary upsetting dream it it changes it into being able to be something funny and more often than not when you're able to change it into something like that you can go back to sleep
1: Hello, hello, Blissful Parents, Michelle Abraham, your host here today. You guys, let me tell you, I'm so excited for this interview. I've got Kristen Taprell with us today. She's thetherapistparent.com. Well, she's not thetherapistparent.com. Her website is thetherapistparent.com. Kristen is so amazing. Let me just first say hi, and then I'll introduce you more to her. Hi, Kristen. How are you? Hi. It's good to be here. Oh, we're thrilled that you are here and taking the time out of your schedule to be with us. Uh, Guys, let me tell you about Kristen. She's a psychologist with over 20 years experience working with children and families. She worked with many settings, private practice, government agencies, all sorts of things, including working with kids on the autism spectrum, as well as connecting uh, diagnostic uh, assessments, which is really great. Um so Kristen is also um uh, as I mentioned before blogs over at the she is got also a ch- a children's book author uh her book is really cool it's all about dreams and we're going to get into that in a few minutes here but i just wanted to uh, share a little bit more about kristen and kristen please share a little bit more about all the amazing things you do i'm not doing you justice at all <laughs> with therapist uh, all the things you do connecting parents what i one thing i do want to bring up is that I did see some really amazing things on your website. I was a little bit late to the interview because I was binge looking at all the cool things that Kristen's got on her website, as far as posters and cards and mindfulness things and puzzles and all sorts of cool things for parents and kids. You guys have to go check it out. The first, Kristen, more about you. Uh, wow, well,
0: that's that's kind of a tricky thing to answer after all of that. But um, yeah, look, uh, I am a psychologist and yeah, like you said, work with kids and I work in I worked for a government agency working in school, so social emotional learning programs. But I started the therapist parent because um, while I was working in private practice, well, it initially started with my book, so I um, I was seeing lots of kids that have nightmares and like there's a really simple technique that I've used for so long, it's very effective. It works really well and nightmares is just such a common problem and I thought it was ridiculous that these poor families had to make appointments to see a psychologist to come for help for, for nightmares so that's why I started the book and then I thought you know what going to see a psychologist and you know parents are busy enough running around there's lots of little tips and tricks that that I've learned just from you know working for so long with families. so that's why I started the therapist parents so that's why there's a blog with lots of um ideas and so that's where the book came from and then we know how important gratitude is for mental health and we find I, well, I find even with my kids that it was it was tricky teaching gratitude because kids kind of get stuck on you know they're grateful for their family they're grateful for food they're grateful for friends and then they get that's about it like mm-hmm. <laughs> so I created the great, the gratitude cards to help sort of build that skill And then, you know, it's kind of gone from there. So.
1: That's awesome. (laughs) Well, you have so many great things. And, uh, you know, I just appreciate that you're uh, you're teaching like the grateful, the gratitude and mindfulness for kids because I think you can't start that too early. It's so incredible. I've seen some amazing changes in my kids, introducing just a few little things here and there. And like I was saying to you before we press record and our schools have started incorporating it too. So Mm -hmm. clearly it's really uh, taking, um, you know, taking, a really positive impact on, on the way kids uh, are and are able to cope with things, especially in the last few years has been a little crazy <laughs> Before, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? to say the least. I'm sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, to now you're coming to us all the way from Australia guys I didn't even mention that to our audience but Kristen is in Australia which is incredible and so we're glad that you're joining us from the other side of the world then it's a whole other day over there right now so yeah <laughs> Kristen's book is called the dream director so um can you tell us a little bit about the book I obviously you told us why you created it from kids yeah. having nightmares and stuff and yeah share a little bit more about the book please.
0: Yeah, sure. So uh, the the dream director is, so the technique um, that I've always used is just helping kids to change their dreams. So what I would always sort of do is say, you know, a dream is just like a movie in your head. And just like a movie, there's a director and the director can change the dream. And so you are the director. And so I, talk, I go through how they can actually change dream. So I've always taught kids how to, you know, we draw a picture of, of what then you dream. And if you change it to something funny, um, your brain doesn't go on the loop of just following that same scary, upsetting dream. It, it changes it into being able to be something funny. And more often than not, when you're able to change it into something like that, you can go back to sleep and uh, not have the nightmare. So while I was like doing this, I actually found uh, someone in the UK, Dr. Justin Haven, and he had a YouTube video of uh, working with people with PTSD and how to change their dreams. I went, hang on, this is the same technique. <laughs> this is what I've been doing. Majorly, I contacted him and he um, looked at my book and he ended up writing the forward because, it, yes, it's very similar. So he's done all the research and he's done his PhD in it um, as, and, and proven that it's a very effective technique. And so I just do it more with children, he does it more with
1: adults with PTSD. Oh, that's so awesome. So why do you think kids have a nightmares? Uh, look, we all have...
0: Um... We all have dreams because it's our brains processing what's happened through the day. It's our brain trying to make sense of what happened and as we store memories, so it goes from short-term memory to a long-term memory that happens in our sleep. So uh, for kids, because they're in their emotional brain so so much in that developed part of the development of their brain, um, there's lots of emotions in their dreams. So uh, say if they're nervous about going starting school, that could come up as like a scary monster in their dream it's the same emotion it's the same feeling it's just the brains just played it out in a different way
1: oh that's so cool and do you, like is there a large percentage of kids like do most kids have nightmares growing up uh, like in when they're younger yes yeah I I would
0: I would say just about all kids have nightmares at some point mm. um it doesn't mean that they're a problem, and that's why I was like, "Well, then they don't need to come and see a psychologist for this. Is this is just a little trick that parents can learn to be able to to manage it." I mean, it's quite normal. Um, it's not. I mean, if they were having nightmares every night and not able to to sleep and it was interfering with life, well, then that's a different thing. Um, but 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 nightmares are just a normal part of life.
1: Right. So my kids, so I feel like my kids had like some night terrors. Are those the same as nightmares or they are those aren't. a little bit different? No, they're different. So
0: night terrors is uh, when they're not able to get into REM sleep. Mm. So there's this, they're not able to just go into the dream and they're almost half awake in their dream. And so that's really um scary place to be especially for the parents to see them
1: yeah. <laughs> like I can not wake them up and it's just like no. oh my god it was crazy yeah. it didn't happen very yeah. often <laughs> yes yeah.
0: the trick to that is to try and um, do some things before sleep to help them get into that REM sleep so having a sleep routine having some real relaxation before bed even having white noise like a fan or uh, something else just to get them into that sleep because they're not getting to where they need to go and that's but we have to dream like that is physiologically we have to dream so if they're not getting into REM sleep they'll still dream but they're not in the state they need to be.
1: Yeah, that makes sense, but well, then you can't get them out of it, and they they're confused when they're in it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, it's kind of a scary, frightening thing. <laughs> well, that's uh, so uh, so crazy. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, we haven't we haven't talked about dreams on or nightmares at all on this podcast, so I thought this would be a great place for us to start our conversation today. So yeah, any other thing? Any other tips for parents around uh, around nightmares that we can uh, help support them with today?
0: Yeah, look, I think um, when, you know, your child comes into you in the middle of the night and you're half asleep and they're terrified, um, our first reaction is to, oh, don't don't worry, think about something else, you know, just go back to sleep um, and, and sort of dismiss it. But the problem, and I get it, I've, I've even done it, but, <laughs> you know, we're tired. Um, but the problem is for them. They're in that. They they could feel it. They could smell it. Their heart is racing. They're in that real state. So we first thing we need to do is actually help them to feel calm because they're not going to be able to think of anything anyway while they're in that state. So we do have to help them calm. Um and and saying things like um, just think about something else like that does that just doesn't work. So if I say to you, don't think about chocolate. You just thought about chocolate. Like it, that's not how our brains work. We actually have to change what they were thinking into something else rather than trying to just push it away. So that's why, you know, yep, calm, lots of cuddles, and then go, okay, so what can we change it into? Let's think of something funny that it could be. What could we turn it into? How could you make this different?
1: Oh, that's great. I love it. Great, great suggestions. Great tips for all of us. Uh, I love that. Um, thanks so much, Kristen, for sharing those with us. I think that will be helpful for a lot of parents. I mean, our parents are mostly school age kids, but I feel like sometimes those things still happen. Is there a certain age that nightmares like are far like they don't happen anymore officially or is that it just depends on the kids?
0: No, I mean, as you get older, it happens less. You, you're not, you know, in that emotional state as much, so they're they're not as intense. But I mean, they still happen as adults. Like we can still have nightmares, um, but it, it's it's more of those development, like the really the not really young, but yeah, like primary school age kids. there's still is still an issue.
1: Yeah, hmm. that's awesome. When I was on your um, website earlier today, I was looking um, and I noticed the quote that you have on there, and I just want to share it with our parents because. I think this quote sums up a lot of the conversations we have on blissful parenting and I would love to get you to expand on it because I notice a lot of the things that you have on your website. Kristen's got these great posters that you can you can buy and you can are they meant for school are they meant for schools or teachers or parents? Anyone can
0: anyone, anyone who yeah. Oh, I I do the illustrations on my website. That's most of my posts are an illustration that I've done with a with a quote or a tip or something. And then people were asking if they could download them so I, I haven't put all of them up but they yeah some of them are yeah, there's so many so many, them yeah. home or a
1: school or whatever <laughs> yeah I mean, there's so many great reminders on there and so many cool um cool ones to take a look at but the quote that I, I was mentioning on your is either we spend time meeting children's emotional needs by filling up their cup with love or we spend time dealing with their behaviors caused by unmet needs either way we spend time and that's a quote by Pam Leo and I noticed a lot of your posters are around the emotional needs of kids. So can we dive into that a little bit? What are some things that parents need to know to really like harness our emotional, the well-being of our kids, especially after the last crazy couple of years we've had? Oh, it certainly has been crazy.
0: Yeah, look, I think that the most important thing that we need to, to get, and it's really hard, so I'm not saying that this is an easy thing, but um, is to, to recognize that, when our kids are behaving in a certain way that we don't always like, there's a reason for it. And there is always some sort of need behind that behavior. You know, their behavior is their best way to communicate. Their language is not as well developed as behavior. Behavior was the first thing that was developed. So they're always going to react out of that. And we've got to try and not take it personally, not try and you know, get into our defensive mode and, and be triggered and go into it and, and end up butting heads to, to take their step back and try and work out what's actually going on. And more often than not, there there is some sort of need that they that could have been fulfilled beforehand that would have prevented that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and so for our parents to kind of like be aware of what some of those triggers are, some of those things that happen should be on. I, I, it's interesting that you say like it's not the behavior that's the problem, although that's what we're first to like jump to, right, as parents. Yeah. It's like, behavior.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because it's the, you know, it's right in your face. It's <laughs> it's a child screaming and, and throwing themselves on the floor. To, <laughs> over not the, to pay attention we, to that. Right? Yeah. yeah. well our first reaction often is to just silence that and to try and stop it straight away and that that quite often is because that's what happened when we were kids and we weren't allowed to behave like that so there's no way our kids should be allowed to behave like that and that's what the trigger is in that sort of situation but if we can actually just take a breath and stop first thing is always calm try and calm the child because there is no negotiating, there is no thinking, there is nothing we can do if they're in that state. So first option is always to try. And if you need to take yourself away and calm first, do that rather than just building it up into being something that will explode. Then when when they're calm, they usually can come round. So it could be as simple as you gave them the wrong coloured plate and they've dropped on the floor. <laughs> yeah (laughs) but you can't in that moment you can't say it's the same plate it's just a different color like they're not going to get that you have to wait till they come and then you can do lots of paddles if they need or if they want it um and then then after that you can talk about Maybe we could have still had that plate, or maybe it doesn't. You know, you can actually, and that being able to do that when they're calm actually develops those skills for them. So it helps them to be able to problem solve. It helps them to be able to think through. Okay, so yeah, it was just a plate, different color. It's okay,
1: but in the moment they couldn't do that. Mm, so afterwards, that they can kind of see, but allowing them to express themselves emotionally like that is although it's like we want to stop the behavior right there it's actually better for them is that correct for them to express that fully because it helps them feel their emotions and understand them
0: yeah and when when we let kids go through their emotions the brain um, makes a connection that that emotion will end and then it can change into something else. And that means that they don't have to be so reactive. If we shut down emotions all the time, then they never actually go through the emotion. They never actually end that emotion. It's just completely shut down. And in in that sense, it can be quite scary because this huge emotion comes on and they don't know what to do with it. But if we teach them to actually go through and how to manage it, then that the wave gets smaller you know it's not yes yeah. the emotional state that we just shut off it's actually okay It go through and then slowly it gets smaller and smaller
1: and then how do you explain that to like the the other generations in the family that are like not that that's not like that's not how we were raised like let them explode like that like are you crazy <laughs> They should go to yeah, their and the no. <laughs> and they should
0: go to their room by themselves. Yeah,
1: be quiet, not be seen or heard. Yeah. <laughs> Look,
0: we uh, can try and explain. You can explain this. You know, there's lots of research to show this is really important. That this is how we develop. This is what they need to do. But you're always going to get those people that don't agree with you, and you have to just let that go because they're not. You're not going to agree. You're the parent. This is the way you want to raise your child. You make that decision.
1: Yeah, it's easier for you to probably negotiate that conversation than keep suppressing the the explosive (laughs) behaviour. Yeah, and you know what? The the explosive
0: behaviour, it's not going to happen forever. (laughs) Right. And if if we help them through, they will develop the skills they need.
1: Mm -hmm. Are there some questions or things that you can ask, like in that calm down period afterwards, do you go back and say, "Mm, was that really a great way to like handle yourself during that or is that part of that conversation or is that conversation, what's the best way to approach that conversation?
0: So um, you have to wait till they're ready to talk about it Mm -hmm. um, or they're calm enough to talk about it. But often I would sort of go, that didn't feel good, did it? Like, you know, that was really hard, yeah. Um, do you know, what, what could we have done differently, do you think? What could we do next time? Because it, we've, these things will probably happen again. So what do you think we could try next time? And just sort of go around it that way um, mm-hmm. so that you're sort of acknowledging, yeah, that was big. It felt really, really, really big and it felt horrible for that moment. Um, so what could we do? And And not saying, okay, so that's done you know it it will happen again so what are we going to do next time right And, and just getting the best thing you can do is get the child to try and problem solve themselves I mean they're not always going to come up with answers and you might need to prompt them but if you can get them to problem solve then they're coming up with those ideas they're more likely to do it but they're also starting to think through it themselves
1: Mm, that's great. Now I'm hearing a lot of parents talking about um, this kind of um, big emotions happening like when uh, technology is involved or when it's time to put technology away and I can definitely have seen in my house too. So is there a better way to navigate that conversation uh, to kind of um, get those waves to get smaller and smaller around technology?
0: Yeah, look, it depends on the age of the child obviously but like younger children, you, you'll you have to have um, sort of a visual sort of timer or a way that they know that it's time to finish or they've got until this episode or this game is finished and, and you have to be really clear and you have to stick to your boundaries as well. I mean people think that sometimes gentle parenting or conscious parenting is, you know, giving in, but it's not. <laughs> you just understand that when um, you have your boundary and you understand that they're upset when that boundary is there. <laughs> Oh, but still have the boundary for older kids, um, sort of like primary school age. Like I, I, I talk to to my children about about games and and technology and how it's actually not good for their brain to have too much, and they understand that. So just like we only eat junk food sometimes, and we only need to have healthy foods most of the time, they can have screens, but it's not a healthy option. So there's. Mm-hmm. Um, there's times that we have it and the times that we don't. So we negotiate when when is their time, how long they have their time, and they know that that's the the boundary of when that is. Mm-hmm. And then giving warnings is really important. And it's I mean I understand that you know if they're in the middle of a game, you can't just walk in and turn it <laughs> off. I mean, yeah, I that will now <laughs> I think mean, it's a we were scrolling through on our phone, and your partner just came and took it off you because you'd been on it too long. <laughs> we wouldn't react well to that right. either. So, I mean, you do have to give warnings and let them know, and hopefully, they can make the decision to turn it off themselves. But if not, you have to help them with that.
1: Yeah, that's a great point to really like kind of reiterate the healthy, not healthy is not great for your brain. So much, so much of it, um, and get them to kind of notice how they're feeling they've been on it too long or like not feeling well or yeah if they if they if they tell you the truth around that right (laughs) I feel fine it was great
0: (laughs) or you could pick up so quite often um if they're playing lots of video games they can because it's such an adrenaline boost and you know there's lots of brain chemicals happening and that's why it's addictive um you can sort of say look I've noticed after you play you kind of a bit more aggressive or you you kind of fighting with your brother a lot more do you notice that okay. and then you go yeah I really think that's from having too much of these games that's why we've got to cut it back a little bit and if you get them to notice that these are the things that are going on mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense
1: that totally makes you're not just this
0: mean parent that won't let them do it yeah yeah
1: you're still sometimes always the mean parent that doesn't let yeah yeah (laughs) that's just (laughs) part of the reason for it (laughs) (laughs) exactly that's just part of the job (laughs) awesome well i just love this conversation today it's been really uh, great is there anything like before we let you go because i know life is busy. You have three kids of your own in the other room right now waiting for you. So time is so important with them. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but any last words for parents, uh, anything, any bit of advice that you've seen that's been really helpful in your practice and in your work?
0: Um, yeah, look, I think at the moment, um, with the world being as crazy as it is, um, everybody's anxiety levels are really high. So I think it's important to recognise that as parents, ours are probably quite high. And then our children's will be as well. And, you know, going back to school with COVID the way it is and all of that. So I think it's just important to recognise that that we're all finding things a bit tricky at the moment. So maybe sort of, you know, focusing on some doing some some relaxation or just being aware of where your body is and what we can do to calm and to to get through.
1: Awesome. I love that. What's your favorite calm down technique for kids? Uh
0: <laughs> Well, my favourite is actually why I made the puzzle that I have, but it's the the breathing where you trace your your hand. Oh, cool. Yeah. so the puzzle that I did is a is a hand that you trace, and but I also have little discs that go inside where you can put um, a visualization, so like the beach or a river or somewhere that's calming, and then you, you use your five sense, senses as you go through um, of how you feel, but. Just as a breathing technique, just doing the finger one because it actually feels really good as well as slowing the breathing down.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Cool. Well, blissful parents, see there you have it. really cool technique. And if you want to check it out, what well, she's got the puzzle for it too, which is really neat. I was looking at it today too. So mindfulness and gratitude puzzle that's on Kristen's website, which you can find the therapistparent.com which is super cool. So make sure you go and check it out there. And Oh, don't forget to check out the downloads of the posters and things like that. There's so many cool, so many cool things you have and the dream director books. So just go to Kristen's website. You'll be lost there for hours. Lots of cool things there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Crystal, for spending your time with us no, today. Thank you. Uh, it's been great. We're so glad to have had you. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Blissful Thanks. parents out there, please go out there and have a wonderful week. Be blissful. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Blissful Parent Podcast. For complete transcriptions of this show, as well as helpful links to resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at theblissfulparent.com.